Welcome into another edition of the European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am Mackenzie Rivers, your not so affable host after a tough loser on my best bet with Arsenal, but I am joined here by a man who is hitting 63% on the season. Nice job. Hit another one with Bournemouth. Griffin, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Uh, shooting for that magical 69%. Um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, it's a little bit higher juice sport. So that normal goal of 55% for me and the minus 110 sports that are out there. Um, yeah, trying to shoot a little bit higher. Um, also feel like I should just only bet Bournemouth every week and just never right. look Smart. at anything <laughs> else. Because uh, ever since they sacked that manager of theirs, who basically called the organization, club management, and everyone out, um they've been great and um they even came from behind in this one didn't really see that one coming but i think also did it against nottingham forest so uh i think there's a a little more skill there and and ultimately a team that got to play the same way in the championship got them promoted and then they've uh they've had a pretty good run i mean hard to hard to argue with like covering every game since um i you know it's been a nice bandwagon to be on and the temperature in the room after that 9-0 debacle, I literally heard people say, is this the worst soccer team of all time? With no real context other than Liverpool hadn't been playing great and really rare to see a nine piece, a number nine on the board uh, in a Premier League game. I mean, this is in Bayern Munich versus the the Sisters of the Poor. That was Liverpool in a rare um, uptick and they've been a Jekyll and Hyde team. They just had another one against Rangers. What's going on here? I mean, Arsenal, I'll talk about them. Give them full credit. They, they've surged. They're, they're not going to be in the Champions League hunt, but they may give City someone a run for their money in the Premier League. But let's talk Liverpool first. What's going on there? They give up another three goals to Arsenal. Uh, I was obviously chagrined as someone who had Liverpool at Pickham. But um, we're going to talk about Liverpool Man City later and the historical precedent the odds are setting up. It's starting to make sense that the odds are starting to reach historical, uh, you know, tiers, you know, that kind of thing when it comes to Liverpool, because they are just far off the baseline. What do you, what do you make of Liverpool Arsenal? Um, so I, I watched it and thought Arsenal were like not really giving much respect to Liverpool. I got to say, um, I was amazed to see Granit Xhaka, who's usually like he, he might play a little bit of an attacking midfielder, um, when he's playing for, uh, for uh, where is he from, Switzerland. And um, he kind of is like the captain heart and soul of that team. But at Arsenal, he's like just a guy. And a lot of times is like the, the guy that's getting yellow cards, stopping breaks and red cards because he's great at that too. Um, but just seeing him living in the box, basically initiating all the offense, I was like so shocked by that. Um, but I mean, it was really to me was like a, a, a sign that no one really respects Liverpool anymore. Um, and I feel like f- from your handicap and kind of talking it through with you, I honestly was on your side of, of the handicap and thinking, man, maybe Liverpool is really undervalued. We're buying them about as low as we possibly can, where Arsenal are about as, as expensive as they can be. Like, you know, sell Apple when it gets to 150, but buy it back at 100. Um But unfortunately, like, and and especially for the power ratings guys, I know that's a huge thing in in college football where my 
guys in the past would just rank every team one to a hundred or whatever, and then give them a power rating on what they'd be on a neutral field. I can't even imagine what you're doing from Liverpool and what those adjustments must look like because yes, they're banged up and they've seemed to be one of the most sensitive teams to injuries across all of uh, European soccer, especially the good teams. Um, but I'm, there's big concerns. It looks like Trent Alexander honor got hurt. And so he's, Probably not going to be around for a while. Andy Robertson hasn't been in the team. Their midfield is about as old as uh, I feel on Sunday mornings after I've been drinking all night. So um, I, I feel like it's just a really tough thing to to really even put a finger on. I thought Firmino was awesome and, and gave you a chance. And, and I thought that might even um, go off 2-2. But then, of course, penalties always happen. And, I mean, some of them are a lot shadier than others. I'm not sure your opinion on that one. But... Um, ultimately it's really tough when you've been fighting all game to hang around two, two to give up a late penalty. You mentioned Arsenal, not really giving Liverpool the champions credit or not giving them the respect, or at least not being scared of them. It kind of makes sense. And I kind of thought about the game as I was watching it, why the handicap was wrong. And it's one of those youthful teams that is, is, uh, they don't know any better. They're, they've won, you know, so much together. They got, Three Brazilians named Gabriel under 24. They got, I mean, their captain Odegaard's a really young captain at 23. Saka 21. Xhaka, granted Saka 30. Uh, I just think they have, you know, something going. Something that you can't really capture in a bottle. You can't really put on paper. Uh, because talent-wise, last year at least, you know, none of these guys were considered, you know, European contenders. And now I think outside of City... No one's better in the best league in the world than Arsenal right now. Let me, let me stop my monologue and ask you that real quick. Coming into the league, fifth favorite, 33-1 to one, Arsenal. Now 5-1, to one, second favorite, only behind City. Do you think, I mean, the futures odds obviously are going to built in how, how good you've done recently, how did you good right now, but not looking at the odds, but just the power ratings. Do you think Arsenal is the second best team in England? It's hard to argue with how they've started. Um, I will throw the caveat in there because uh, that's my my thing. Um, they have played a very, very soft schedule. Like, I dabble in Fantasy Premier League. I'm terrible at it, but I, I spend more time than I should. And they've been like a team or really anybody on their roster you've wanted on their team because they have played the weakest of the week. So... And I still think there's problems, honestly, from watching them. Uh, I feel like their defense, one of the Gabriels, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, <laughs> terrifying to me. Loves to give a slide tackle in his own box when that's like the one thing he shouldn't do, just be tall and be in the way. Um, he is great at clearing out, uh, <laughs> like crosses into the box on the seventh minute of only five minutes of extra time. Uh, is that they, he kind of got the clincher uh, to get the ball out of the, the play that ended up cr- what could have been a Liverpool late 3-3. We've seen a few of those this season. But um, I also think their goalkeeper, Ramsdale, is problematic in my opinion. He can be good at ties, but he has some very low lows, some high highs, but low lows. Um, and I just I feel like the big jump that Arsenal has made this season, have made, looks great, but I'm – not sure I buy it completely. I, I, I mean, it's about time for me to say, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, and I feel like if they're going to play Granit Xhaka and just not even respect Liverpool, who everyone has as the second most likely team to win the Premier League coming into the season, then uh, that's a good sign that they're pretty confident whether that's right or wrong. You look at expected points, City 1, Arsenal 2, and then there's a big gap. No one really 
I mean, Chelsea's had their problems. They fired their manager. Tottenham, we've talked about. Liverpool, we've talked about. Uh, Tottenham, a little bit more success than Liverpool. But let me let me put you on the spot here. Who do you think, as far as expected points in the Premier League table, is number three right now? Third best team so far, you know, by the analytics. I'll go Brighton. Brighton is number four. Very good guess. They're like a point one goal behind this team. Newcastle oh. United, number six on the table, but have actually, according to the metrics, have been even better than that. But yeah, Tottenham after Brighton at five, then West Ham, then Liverpool at seven. So we'll see if that those numbers you know hold as the Premier League holds on. But uh, yeah, it's been a very flat, very you know fascinating league where. Anybody can win except for City. They win every time. We'll talk about them <laughs> yeah. in a little bit. They got historic. They got history on their side coming up against Liverpool. Uh, another team that we talked about last week, Bayern Munich. They drew in Der Klassiker. What do you made? What did you make of that game? Uh, that was crazy. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about Bayern because they had a two nil lead. Um, you can't really blame Robert Lewandowski's absence for their inability to hold on to a lead in that situation. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know what to say about Borussia Dortmund. They, they basically just are going to play the, I mean, if you want a, a game to, to have a sweat in or with it, probably without even a bet on it, that that's one to watch. I mean, the game I went to against Schalke, they literally did nothing for 86 minutes. It felt like Schalke didn't do anything either, but then late goal in the 85th or so minute, everyone goes nuts. I'm showered with beer. That was fun. But then, I mean, the, earlier in the year, they'd collapsed, choked up their own 2-0 lead, lost 3-2 at home to Werder Bremen, who had just been promoted and are basically a shell of this famous huge club they used to be. Um, even going further with Dortmund, I mean, they came back against Freiburg, were down 1-0, big goalkeeping mistake late by the Freiburg goalkeeper, who's usually pretty solid, and then 1-3-1 in a match that they looked like they had no chance at winning. Um, I don't know, that's, that's a little weird to me, but... I got to say, Bayern, our questions earlier this year were, can they score enough goals to replace Lewandowski after they were kind of struggling for a while? Now, I mean, there's just a lot of problems. Matthias De Ligt, uh, a Dutch international, just like destroys people every game. And, and I feel like gets away with like an orange card every time. They only <laughs> seem to give it as a yellow, never a red. I mean, that's got to change sometime soon. Once you get a reputation of just like clearing dudes out, I feel like in a league, like in soccer where you got to be gentle, um, they're, they're going to do something. But, I mean, that's it's a big question for me. They're they're rolling, I think, in, in Champions League. But ultimately, I mean, that's a big question for me on how far they can go once they play a real team that has an actual budget um, that's not speaking German uh, most of their practices. I feel like this is going to be a recurring segment. What does Bayern Munich have to do to not be monster favorites to win Bundesliga? They've won 10 in a row. They are, you know, the dynasty of dynasties when it comes to this league. But they drew again. That's four draws out of the last five. I mean, eventually, I know I've talked about expected goals. They've been a little better than that. Eventually, it starts to get into the psychology of this team that they're that much behind uh, where we all expected them to be. So right now, Bayern Munich minus 900. Last week, before Der Classica, before this draw, minus 900. They're monster favorites to win. They draw Odds don't change. Dortmund, 11 to 1. What, what do you make of this market? I mean, is this an inelastic market? Is there anything that Bayern Munich can do? Or is this a foregone conclusion? Ah, I like the econ term, inelastic. I mean, I you would. In, ter- in terms of price sensitivity, I I mean, I don't really know what I don't really know what to say. I mean, if are we poorer, so we want to 
bet Byron to, to save our money versus if we're richer because <laughs> uh, in, inflation's killing us right now, then we want to gamble a little bit more. I mean, you could you could probably make an argument either way. Um, just in terms of that number, I, I feel like you're, the history is so strong. And I mean, there's so many problems at all these clubs in, in Germany. They're, unfortunately, Dortmund, they're a build and sell. Um, and so I feel like they're just never the team of polished players. So they make like juvenile mistakes all the time. I mean, that was an awesome comeback and, and great, great pass to get that draw. But um, they they have too many problems in their team and their structure. And like, they're, there's a lot of issues there. RB Leipzig, I mean, they fire a manager a year now, it seems like. And then if you look down the, the lane or down the line, I mean, S- Sports Club Freiburg have been playing really well, but they're a, like a selling club, even worse than Dortmund, like trying to just stay in the league. And they're, I mean, competing Union Berlin, same story where like, I think that the financial ability that uh, Bayern München has is just so much different than anyone else that I think that I would only look to back Bayern um, forever. It feels like right now. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, You did back RB Leipzig in our Champions League draw. And by the way, we'll talk about it more as, as it shakes out, but it's looking good for you. Got to be honest. Barcelona disappointing result over the week. It looks like I'm going to have three teams. You're going to have four teams. I got the first pick. You got the second and third pick. Uh, I haven't done the full math as far as our uh, odds, but it's been a wild Champions League and not so great for me. Well, hold on. Well, I, I know what you're doing here, Mackenzie, and I don't I don't like it. <laughs> Sandbag it, baby. I mean, last time I got to say A.J. Hoffman was so, so confident in how that go for him. <laughs> Um, not that I really believe that the Kansas Jayhawks were anywhere near the best team that deserved a title, but uh, and it'll be vacated anyway. But go ahead. What was your question? Uh, yeah, I guess just just how are you feeling? You got Liverpool and PSG. I got Man City going to make it through. You also have RB Leipzig and Chelsea. I don't have Barcelona. It looks like and um, my third team. Hold on. I mean, we still we still have a long way to go. Um, I, I mean, from the teams that you're saying out loud, like I gotta say, I'm not really that comfortable in anyone besides. I feel like Man City and PSG are. I gotta say, I, I think Man City is considered the best team in the world by everyone right now. Yeah. I don't think there's a big gap between them and PSG. I feel like PSG is like built such a strong team, and it's kind of under the radar because they play in what's called the Farmers League. Yeah, that's a good point. It's one of those like college football situations where you have a one and a two and everything that the one does is going to be perceived as, well, yeah, that's Alabama doing their thing. They're number one. And it's kind of harder for PSG without that strength of schedule to show that they're there. But I mean, coming into the season, we thought they were equal. Those two and Bayern Munich were the three Champions League favorites. And I'm not sure Man City's done enough uh, to separate themselves from PSG. They have done enough to separate themselves for Liverpool. This is historic. Liverpool is hosting Man City. Liverpool is not favored. Man City is a minus 120 favorite on the three-way money line. Now, this is historic for several reasons. Over the last 20 years, as far as my database goes back, and probably a lot farther when you think about where Liverpool was 20 years ago and where City was 20 years ago, Man City's never been a road favorite at Anfield. This is historic for that reason. Moreover, over the last 10 years, this is City's glory days. This is Pep Guardiola and his uh, dominance, and this is Man City day, uh, Mancini days, I, I'm sorry, when they won in 2012. So this is Liverpool, Man City's best time in their history. Only twice have they been a bigger favorite at home 
than minus 120 on the three-way money line. So, yes, Liverpool's down. But I think we have to say Man City is also at a higher point power ratings-wise than they've been relative to competition. And uh, that's what we have. I mean, what do you make of this matchup? Uh, Liverpool now 22-1 to to win the Premier League. They were by far the second biggest favorites. Uh, do they do they start the turnaround right now? Is there a turnaround upcoming for Liverpool? Who <sighs> I mean, they get you gotta time. believe it's it's hard. You gotta believe in Jurgen Klopp, but like, man, I mean, it, it like the hard part when you're betting anything is or buying stocks or anything like that is if things aren't going well, when do you try to catch that falling knife? Because a lot of times you catch a falling knife it's going to stab you. I think that's where the analogy comes from, ultimately. Um, from where I sit, man, it's it's really hard to say. I, I feel like um, certainly I'm not that interested in backing Liverpool this weekend. I feel like I need to see something from them that makes them look like uh, they have a pulse right now. Um, I'm starting to get worried about Jurgen Klopp like leaving the club and going somewhere else, going back to Germany and doing his thing somewhere else. Um, from where I sit, man, it, it's, it's hard to really want to get in the way of Man City. I, Somehow I've had a pretty good record of fading Man City, and I don't know really how I've been able to accomplish that. Some teams, like bad teams, I have horrible records against. But um, maybe it's because I'm just terrified of them, and I just don't want to get in the way of a of speeding train, um, which is being conducted by one of the weirdest-looking guys in the world um, <laughs> who also scores four goals a match, it feels like. Just about four, yeah. Um, Erling Holland, what's up? Sorry to the family, but um, I just had to say it. it just feels like he looks more and more odd every day. Um, I mean, it, I backed Liverpool in the uh, Community Shield or whatever we called it right. before the season started as a quarter goal underdog on a neutral. And now seeing this number, I mean, it feels like the the overreaction of all overreactions, but. I mean, it's kind of like I said earlier, if you're if you're going like power rankings and you just woke up from a long nap, um, I mean, geez, if you went to the Peace Corps and came back a couple months after the season started, you're like Liverpool's a three quarter goal underdog at home to Man City. Are these people high? How much money can I borrow to put on this? <laughs> um, it's it's not for me, though, right now, I, I got to say. I'm with you. It's Liverpool or pass and it's like ninety nine point nine percent pass because, yeah, like. I have to think of a world where it's moved like a full goal, like 0.75 goals of value towards Man City away from Liverpool in two months since early August. So either that's true, which it may be, or or Liverpool has value. And, you know, I just think odds are people are overreacting to what they've seen recently because that's what they tend to do. Liverpool can't look worse in the Premier League recently. Man City can't look better. But uh yeah, I need to, I, I don't have any evidence to to see the value. I just I just uh you know, patterns of human behavior points me in that direction. I mean, it's possible that Liverpool would have been a pick'em maybe based on the start of the season, like if we're talking August 5th or whenever the season started. Yeah. Um it, as you said, the, the numbers climbed incredibly. But like when I mean, when the milk goes bad, do you still drink it at a later date? Probably not. It's very affordable at that point, but it's also not very nutritious. Right. So that's how I feel about Liverpool. Uh, let's talk about El Clasico, the biggest game in club soccer every year. This is the first one of the year. We may get one in the Champions League, unlikely the way Barcelona's been looking, but uh, one of at least two guaranteed El Clasicos this year. And we've seen a little bit of movement in the futures odds for La Liga. These are obviously the two 
dominant teams in the league. They entered the season plus 120 for one team, plus 120 for another team to win La Liga. Now Barcelona's minus 120. Real Madrid can get at plus 125. So they're both seven wins, one draw. Same record. They're heading into each other. But Barcelona's been upgraded just a little bit uh, by the Vegas you know, European soccer betting market. Uh, before we get into the game, uh, have you changed the way you've looked at La Liga and Barcelona and Real Madrid's chances? I mean, it's really hard to, man. Uh, I feel like if there's anything that I know, it's it's I know what man. Excuse me, I have so much Manchester on my mind. Um, <laughs> I know what Real Madrid are going to be. Um, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. They're going to be very, very tough on teams. They're going to score goals late. And they are going to win matches and honestly cover spreads of more than one goal in like eviscerating fashion where I feel like my my organs have been cut out because um, I've, I've done a fairly good job of, of staying away from betting against them just for fear of that type of ending um, on the Barcelona side. There's so much chaos in that place. Like, I mean, naming yeah. their camp now, the Spotify camp now, which is like something that they only would have done if they needed as mm. big of a bailout as they took. I'm not sure how many Palancas it actually was, but um, the different tranches of, of debt service or whatever. I mean, someone's going to own that. Me? They're going to call it the Spotify camp now. Wow. I think it's, I think it's done now. It's already there. Man, um, they have Spotify lot. on their unis, but I think it's definitely the, the Spotify camp now. It's just hilarious. More than but, a club. Also, yeah. an, also a streaming service. <laughs> May stay un, un club. See, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't really speak Catalan, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm still, a, I'm surprised actually, and I haven't checked the futures in a little while, I'll, I'll admit, but uh, I I don't really see Barcelona, I think the, the ability of a dumpster fire to erupt, I don't think that's happening in Madrid, I think that's a Barcelona thing, and with all that's happening to them, and the Champions League, and other things like that, I feel like when things start to go bad and like they start getting whistled at camp now, like all Real Madrid does is sing and it feels like every time they score a goal, all they're doing is singing and that's what happens the whole time, which I don't know the psyche of a European soccer player because they make too much money. I can't really relate, but um, I got to say from where I sit, um, I'm very interested in that Real Madrid number uh, now that it's above zero. I am too. Like on the one hand, I get Barcelona has a lot of young players, Fati, Pedri, Gavi, all under 20. And they've all shown out this year. They've shown that they're going to be, uh, you know, contenders in the league. But there's a lot more problems than just that. So, yeah, up arrow for their youth. But they're a billion dollars in debt. And they went all in this year, got the best player in the world, argue, arguably in Lewandowski, with the idea that they were going to compete, with the idea they were going to make the Champions League, I don't know, semifinal would have been like a break-even result for them to be in the Europa League it it might be disaster it might be presidents Xavi out is 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 a trending on Twitter right now and if those things start you know if there's trouble at the highest level I can't help but think it's going to fall down to La Liga and these are even teams and the records even on the in the table you look at this game let's get into it so it's over under three Madrid hosting Barcelona Barcelona Barcelona's a quarter goal underdog. That's pretty much home field advantage. Maybe in La Liga, it's closer to a third of a goal. But although the futures have changed, this game is saying these are pretty much even teams. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I'm surprised on the uh, kind of discrepancy between the two because at a quarter of a goal and minus 110 each way, I mean, 
um, from what I'm staring at. I mean, I'm sure because there's so many Real Madrid fans, so many Barcelona fans, it doesn't matter how they're playing. They're betting that way. Um, they're like, all right, let's, let's just guarantee our, our $1 on every 10. Uh, that's, that's wagered. But um, I mean, I, I don't agree with that. Um, makes me want to invest in it though. Uh, I've got enough investments that are out there, especially the long-term ones that you don't get any interest on. Um, but I, I think Real Madrid at home, um, I would give them, I mean, the quarter goal, I think is a standard, uh, home pitch advantage. If we're calling it that, um, that I try to use across all the, the big leagues. I think Real Madrid have one of the stronger places. They're, they're really hard to play, even though they've been doing construction on their, on their stadium, the Bernabeu for like five years now, it feels like. Um, I, I guess the uh, the fact that Europeans don't work in the summer is a big problem. No offense, but um, I, you know it's it's hard. I, I guess as I'm an underdog player, you know that everyone who listens to anything I do probably knows that. Um, so it's Barcelona or nothing for me, and, and I have no interest in backing a team that's potentially a little wounded going on the road. Like you might get an inspired effort, but you're getting that every time in this matchup. Um, over under three. I mean, I feel like. That, that three is a really nice number to push on if someone wins 2-1. I, I feel like it's going to be hard to see four goals here. I agree. Yeah, I I, uh, I considered the under in this game as one of my best bets for this podcast, and I might play it as a pizza bet, but um, I found something interesting in the da- database where when the teams are considered closer, it's the opposite of what I expected. Uh, when they're considered about even teams, it's actually higher scoring El Clasico over the last 10 years but by about a quarter goal. So not that much. Not enough for me to play on the over, but enough for me to, you know, reconsider the under because I do think Barcelona is going to be tight. They need this win. They at least can't lose. I think they're going to try to make it at least 1-1, 2-1 at the most. So, yeah, I lean to the under. Well, so let me let me try to theorize on why that is. So um, if they're even teams, then Real Madrid probably feels like they don't need to defend as much. And so they're going more front-footed attacking style, whereas Barcelona has clearly been the dominant team in this uh in this rivalry for, I mean, a decade, I would think more recently Real Madrid have controlled yeah. it, I think, but Barcelona, I think smacked them in the Messi era in, in La Liga. It hasn't been close Barcelona. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, cause we've always seen it and I, I've kind of, even when I really wasn't following soccer, a lot of times I would just bet Real Madrid cause they were always a big favorite. And I was like, I mean, they're definitely the biggest club not named Barcelona in probably the world. Um, so like if they're an underdog, it's probably worth just a, a pizza bet, as you said, just to like, even say, I, I bet a little soccer today or something like that. Um, but I mean, I think they're going to play that way. Barcelona is going to be very aggressive on the front foot because they're Barcelona. If you play there, it's like tattooed on your body or it's on your resume and you just think you're a badass. And, uh, unfortunately they have a lot of scrubs on that team. I got to say like, um, PK is their savior at center back. It's just not really a great sign um, whether he, he cheated on Shakira or not. Yeah, and apparently Messi's wife doesn't like Shakira. So, I mean, what, you, ooh, what are you going to do? I mean, that's a tough life. You're, yeah, probably. She's probably, you know, not that cool either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, rough times in, in New Camp, or should I say Spotify.com <laughs> slash New Camp or whatever it is. That's that's a shame. I, I, saw, I read one thing. Let me say one thing about Pedri and uh, Javi, who I have tremendous hope for. They're 18 and 19, starting for one of the biggest clubs in the league at the eight and the sixth position. That's awesome. That's, you know, I grew up on Javi and Iniesta. I'm hopeful that that young core can be something. But this is what I read on ESPN that pissed me off. No one doubts Pedri and Javi's quality or their potential, but now they need to turn that into silverware to be put on par with Javi and Iniesta 
or Modric and Cruz. Okay. They need, all right, they're 18 and 19, and they're saying, oh, all they need to do is win some silverware, and they'll be as good as some of the greatest midfielders ever. It's like saying, John Morant's pretty good. You know, once he wins, you know, once he wins something, he'll be Larry Bird. It's like, no, what? No, there, there's steps. There's steps in between. They've won literally nothing, and they're decent at a young age. That is their comparison to Xavi and Iniesta. There's a big gap in between. All right. Spoke my piece on I that. mean, Go ahead. It, it's fine. You, you can stand on your soapbox if that's making you feel better. <laughs> I just like, I mean, it might just be a clickbait article because I got to say uh, what you'll see on a lot of this, the tabloids in America about soccer is just completely ridiculous. But they're, in my estimation, they are so far away from winning anything. I guess La Liga is what they're potentially going for. And uh, when they crash out of the Europa League because they don't care, uh, like they did last year to to Eintracht Frankfurt, maybe maybe that's what happens, and that's maybe what that line is speaking to. But like Copa del Rey or La Liga seem to be the best options, and I, I'm not really a buyer in them in La Liga or, or really anywhere. Yeah, there's something ominous over on New Camp. That's that's for sure. Uh, well, I'll get off my soapbox, and instead, let's make a little money together. We got best bets coming up first, though. Let me give you. Let me save you some money on pregame.com. Use the promo code World Twenty. Let them know you've been listening to this podcast. Go to pregame.com. Some of the best handicappers in the world are there. Any sport you'd like, we have experts in that field. And check it out. You know, buy a pick, read the analysis, see if it wins. That's what I did. And hey, I fell in love with the website, and I've been on it ever since. In fact, I joined. I loved it so much that I joined, but. Go to pregame.com. If you're not a member, sign up. 25 free dollars right there. Boom. Get to test this out. Or use the promo code WORLD20. Save 20% off anything at pregame.com. Griffin Warner, you did it again. Cashing 63%. Great pick on Bournemouth. What is your best bet for this weekend? I'm going to go a little bit off the grid. Um, I I feel like I've been living on the Premier League a little too long. want to switch it up and get everyone to... uh, to pay a little more attention to a, a league that has a Spotify camp now in it. Um, but anyway, that's not this Barcelona <laughs> team, a, a slightly different one still in that city. Uh, I'm fading Espanol um, and I'm playing Real Valladolid on the road. They're a quarter goal underdog. Um, essentially the way I see this number, or see this matchup or Espanol have a great manager who looks lost on the sideline. I got to say they had a big comeback win at Cadiz last weekend, but I think that's really just putting lipstick on a pig. Real Valladolid have a bunch of La Liga players. They're newly promoted side. They had gone down to the Segunda División for just a season, uh, came right back up, and they still have a lot of good players. They had some loanees that returned to the club that were playing in other teams in La Liga, I think based on salary that they had to reduce. Um, But they had a really tough start to the year, giving up a lot of late goals that uh, really doesn't seem to me who they are unless they're playing a really good team. And that's kind of put them a little bit behind the eight ball. But the performances have been improving. They had a really good uh, defensive effort last weekend against Real Betis. And, and I like Vital lead getting that quarter. I think they can go into to, uh, Barcelona and get a win. Barcelona is the city. Espanol is the team. And uh, what, what's the line on that? Uh, Vital lead plus one quarter. All right, cool. So uh, congrats on Bournemouth getting the uh, full win. And uh, I am going to stick with it. I like the handicap so much. I remember at the end of the podcast being like, man, that's, that's a good handicap. This is better than mine. So I did play that and I did cash it. Thank you for that. But I'm also going to nice. steal it for this podcast. The same concept, Bournemouth. Hey, beginning of the season, they were the worst power rated team by almost any 
body you look at, and they got a win. And then they had three of the worst games you'll see. People were wondering if they're the worst team in the league. Man City 4-0, Arsenal 3-0, Liverpool 9-0. Since then, take that out of the mix. By the way, they fired their manager after Liverpool, demanding change. They've been the best team against the Vegas line in the Premier League. They haven't lost. And they've been an underdog every game. And they've covered or won every game. 2-1 against Leicester last time out. This time they're playing Fulham. They're get, catching a half goal. Fulham coming up from the uh, championship last year. They've kind of been running hot. They've exceeded their ex uh, extra goals. I mean, expected goals consistently. And we kind of saw that come back to the pack in recent days. So I think these are even teams. I'm getting a half goal. I should be getting a quarter goal. Uh, I will take Bournemouth plus the half goal to keep it rolling for my best bet. I love it. Uh, I mean, how I, how do I, I – I'm actually – I feel like we should have just doubled it up on and both pick Bournemouth until they – threw us or, or bucked us off the train. I, I mean, it's going to be really hard for me to say no, as as I think I've backed them every time since that 9-0 loss. It's kind of been fortunate, but it's almost like tradition now. Um, basically, what do you do on Friday nights? I bet Bournemouth. So um, that's that might be on my card too. I'm thinking 1-1. I just get a premonition. And uh, let's keep it rolling. Congrats on your best bet winner. For this best bet, you're going to go with Riel. I cannot pronounce it. Valiodad. Say it one more time for me. Real Valladolid. Valladolid, exactly. Catching that quarter goal. I'm going to go with Bournemouth, catching a half goal. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Use that promo code, WORLD20, WORLD20, like the World Cup. WORLD20 at pregame.com. Save 20% off anything. Appreciate you listening. We will check you next week.